Okay, we are live. Welcome everybody. Um, welcome everybody to the first installment of the DRFL podcast. I'm your host, Coach Goose, and uh, I'm excited about this. You know, I, I'd, I'd seen some guys talking in the, uh, well, I guess in Discord there was a mention. Um, I think PSU had created a graphic in order to try to get Playa to do a, a Playa podcast. And and uh, I'm sure he's going to be able to come up with better stories, or he would be able to come up with better stories than I. But I thought the idea was cool, and uh, I wanted to give it a shot. I don't know if this is something I'm going to be able to do consistently. I don't know how long this episode will go for. I don't know how long I'll be able to keep the series going for. But it was something interesting and fun that I wanted to take a swing at. So we're going to try to cover a variety of topics here today. It's about as good of a time as there is to create an episode. Starting of the season, season begins tomorrow, so we can recap the off season. We're going to start with the draft, uh, go over some some of my favorite draft picks. We're going to look at the first round in depth, and then we're going to go over some of my favorite late round draft picks, and then give some some um, commentary on week one. Try to give some season predictions, who might win each conference, so on and so forth. So we'll see where this leads, and uh, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about our favorite football simulation. So, to begin, we're going to take a look at the draft, and I, I really want to start with the most important round. We're, we're going to start with round one here. Leonia. Guys, listen, I, I know Leonia has been the the punching bag, okay? They've been the punching bag, and uh, they've got an abysmal offense over there in Leonia. And it's, it's a surprise that the league hasn't taken the team away from them. I don't like the way the team is ran. I mean, we're talking about a team that has historically low offensive production. But I got, I got to give them praise on this pick. Michael Hills, it, it was... It was pretty obvious, I guess. And, and and one thing that I find interesting is the direction that the league is going in. So look at the top five picks. We have Michael Hills. We have Daniel Workman, Jesse Willard, Frank Lewis, and Danny Rushing. Now, for those who aren't looking at the draft results right in front of them, that's four offensive linemen in the top five. And not only four offensive linemen, but we're looking at three guards. The league is catching up. The league knows where the value is. And Michael Hills was, he wasn't my top guard, but he was a top guard. Um, Michael Hills is a guy that should be able to come in there and give Leonia some offensive stability on the interior. Now, that doesn't mean that their offensive line is going to be taking from, or going from a, a steaming pile of crap all the way up to an elite offensive line or even an average offensive line, but Hills is a step in the right direction. Um, and I think that's been their downfall for a long time. They had a they had a promising young quarterback in Paul Tolson, but the offense just could never get off the ground due to the incompetence of the offensive line coach who was fired this past offseason and the, the, the talent they had there. So props to the owner and GM of Leonia picking up Michael Hills. Not much to say about the guy. I mentioned earlier that I, I didn't have him as the top guard. And the reason being is because he's a little bit undersized. You're talking about you're talking about big guys. You want to play in a phone booth. And 
He's 304 pounds, which is, I consider, usually a little light for a tackle. But if I'm looking at an offensive line, if, I, if I'm looking at an, an uh, offensive guard-type player, I'm wanting them to be 315 or above. Offensive tackle, 310. So 304 is still a little bit light, but uh, he's a good athlete. He, he's And this is another concern of him. He, he struggles a little bit in the weight, weight, uh, weight room. So coming from the coming from the West Coast, playing in the Pac-12. One concern is that's never been a very physically dominant conference, and that's the kind of um, that's the kind of stigma Hills has attached to him. Not overly strong. He only put up 24 reps on the bench, which listen, I'm not going to sit here and argue about the validity of a bench press test. Being able to dictate truly how strong somebody is functionally in a game, but it's there. We have the workouts to go off of. We know that he wasn't going up against dominating competition over in the Pac-12, just like his, just like the the history records show. It's mainly been USC and Oregon there, and Oregon especially there for a while back in the 2020s. They were able to put uh, or the 2010s, should I say? They were able to put together some really physical teams, but they're back to high flying, fast paced football. And that's the kind of offense that that um, um, that Hills is from, and and those, those teams over there don't have dominant defenses, so he wasn't going up against top tier competition. Listen, if he had proved himself playing against the Alabamas of the world, or the LSU's, or the Clemson's, then I would feel a little bit better about his prospects from a strength standpoint and a size standpoint than I would if he was if he was going up against Arizona State. And Oregon, and all of this to say, I, I don't want to criticize him too much. I'm not saying the guy's not going to be successful. He has everything else you would want to look for. from From, from a pass blocking standpoint, he's a true technician. I mean, we're talking nearly flawless footwork, um, hand placement, his balance. It's all there. His it's all there. He's a true technician when it comes to the pass blocking aspect. My only question is, does he have the strength? to hold up against large, athletic, powerful defensive tackles. And we're going to find out. He's penciled in as the starter. He had a good preseason. Uh, he only had one penalty, gave up no sacks. Um, so, good pick. No, it, it, it's a good pick. and I, I don't expect him to fail. But you have to look at these guys and try to figure out, okay, what is there that I like and what I don't like? He's a little small, guys. Um now, when we talk about top offensive line uh, prospects, for me, unfortunately, the guys down south, down in Dallas, they got my number one guard, Daniel Workman. Boy, is this guy good. Um, 317 pounds, six foot four. He put up 41 reps on the bench. Um, it's quick off the line, impeccable footwork. Again, he's a technician. Hand placement, balance. Being able to anchor, it's all there. Good athlete, too. He's not as good of an athlete as Hills is. He's a Hills is the superior athlete, but we're talking about significantly stronger um, and a lot of the technical side, technical aspects of the game are, are still there. Daniel Workman, I have not much to say about the guy. He's uh, he's good. He's very good. And I think that, that I, I, I'm very upset that Dallas was able to get a guy the caliber of Workman. Um, they need it with Barlow, 
Barlow has a little bit of an injury history, as we've mentioned, or as we've as we've seen over the past few seasons. But w- when he's protected, he's deadly, and this is hey, you can't do any better than getting the number one offensive line prospect. So props to Dallas. Uh, let's take a look at Jesse Willard. Jesse Willard's actually a guy I didn't really look at. So I scouted Hills and Workman. Um, had Workman number one, Hills number two. As far as my offensive guards go, uh, Workman was actually my number two overall prospect. I didn't look at Willard, and I probably should have because Flodo is getting a little long in the tooth. And so I'm going to be needing to find a replacement for him fairly soon. Um, from Michigan. Yeah, he's got good size, six foot seven, three hundred eleven pounds. Uh, great pass blocker. He's a little slow off the off the line. And listen, guys, I'm not watching game tape here, so I haven't watched game tape on him either. Um, I'm mainly just looking at scouting reports. So we have a database of scouting reports here. I'm just taking a look at what what uh, what scouts were saying about him. A little slow off the line. He's a great athlete. Um, he had some penalty issues. I'd play him. I'm not going to kick him out of the franchise. If, if we if if we would have came down with Jesse Willard, I would have been I would have been pleased. I think this is a good pick for Nashville. Um, Nashville is a team that has been struggling here recently. Um, they do have a good they have a good young quarterback in Shane Shane Kerr. You got to protect him. Yeah, I mean he's had some struggles. He was sacked 55 times. Like he's been oh my gosh, he's been sacked 108 times in his two seasons in the league. That is. That is miserable. But despite this, listen to the guys. Despite the sacks, despite the pressures that he's been faced with, he has still thrown 48 touchdowns to 22 interceptions. I think that's impressive. Now, that, that's not going to, with the efficiency ratings we're looking at here, it's it's definitely not going to win you any championships. Um, but it's impressive. I think the game plan that, that, that Coach Biggie has over in Nashville and the honky-tonk area, is 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 it has some promise, but he needs to be able to get him some protection. Jesse Willard's a step in the right direction. I, I can't I can't fault him. I think it's a good pick. I think Shane should be happy. Shane should be elated if he's having that many um if he's having that much uh, pressure coming at him. He should be shaking Jesse Willard's hand and walking him through the playbook personally. Uh, it's just great pick. Yeah, Frank Lewis. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go through every single draft pick. That, that would take too long. I'm not even going to go through every one of them in the first round. But I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to touch on the top five because I think it's so unique. Three offensive guards in the top five. We're on the third one here. Frank Lewis. This guy is. I liked this guy a lot. Uh, I I I agree with the way that it went and that he went as the third guard. Um, but he's more my style. Six foot six, three hundred twenty-seven pounds, freak athlete, absolute elite athlete. Now he has some penalty struggles, but he's an elite athlete. He's a little slow off the line. So one concern that I had when I was watching him was with him being six foot six and being a little slow off the line. If you get a slightly undersized defensive tackle, somebody who has a leverage advantage on him, and who's a who's another who's also an elite athlete, okay. And they're able to come off. They're able to get that pad advantage on him. He's he's gonna he had a trouble losing his balance, um, and and being bull rushed. Surprisingly, bull rushed in college. And we saw the same thing in preseason. He gave up four sacks. So those issues still exist. He's gonna need some coaching. Um, I don't know much about how 
San Francisco has, has created their staff. Uh, I don't know what the acumen of their offensive line coach is. Um, he's promising. I'll tell you that. I mean, we're talking about a rookie. He has all of the tools there. He's an elite athlete. He just needs to work on technique. He needs to work on that technique. His pad level gets a little bit high, and he can be slow off the line. And if somebody gets a good punch on him, they can really drive him back. But he's going to have a great he's going to have a great rookie season as far as experience goes. He's penciled in as the starter, so he's going to be able to start getting that uh, that experience bonus. And um, it's going to be a continuous process throughout the season. I like the pick, Frank Lewis. I think that the way that it went in the top five with Hills and Workman and Lewis going. The value is there. The value is there. It, it just good selections all around. Number five, rounding out the top five, is Danny Rushing. Cut and dry. Went down to Austin. Um, Danny Rushing is a guy that I had pegged as the top corner. I'm. I would be willing to bet he was probably the unanimously unanimously chosen top corner. Maybe Carl Ladd was in that discussion, but Danny Rushing, six foot one, 188 pounds, absolute track star. Uh, freak athlete. He ran. A, he ran in the four twos. I'm not remembering exactly four two eight, four two nine, somewhere in that range. Uh, elite, elite short area quickness. Great cover guy. Um, played in the ACC. So he I, he did get a hold of. Uh, he did play against Clemson. Um, he had a good showing there. So yeah, he played good talent, and he had a he had good tape all around. I liked him. I had him in my top five. So I can't. I certainly can't fault what, what Austin's trying to do down there. Um, makes me wonder. Let's take a look here, guys. I want to see what uh, how Austin was doing last year defensively. Um, well, it's not one to pull up for me. But either way, we're talking about a team that was in the top five. They're pretty bad. They were pretty bad. And uh, I guess I can go look at the... Uh, the league records we can just do it from a pure points against perspective i was wanting to see what their actual passing metrics were um, versus them but yeah they gave up 405 points last year so we're looking at uh, nashville gave up more uh, the praetorians gave up more the snackers gave up more god the snackers beat me canada gave up 551 so yeah and the san francisco spartans gave up 421 so we're talking about a bottom five defense here um, Danny rushing is going to be a step in the right direction to correct that. And with the way that the league is going, or I guess the way the league has been going, you have to have good back end players. And that's actually something I'm getting ready to touch on. We're going to talk about the defensive tackles, but first I want to talk about a couple picks that I hate. And, and one of them is because the, the GM was in the process of stepping down. Uh, the scouting staff was let go. So this was just ended up being a write-in by the league based off of the board that was generated. But uh, we have we have two two picks here that are just absolutely awful, back-to-back. Back. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anthony Rainey and Donald Levesque, running backs from Louisville and Iowa State, going to Blue Ridge and San Antonio. I hate them. I mean, they're, they're terrible picks. And, and the reason is because the way the league has been going, running has been so devalued. Um, and just for a little backstory, I, I know we might have some new fans, uh, chiming in to the podcast. So back in the 2090s, so it's been about 30 years, 
2090s, maybe the 2080s. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on when it actually was, but there was a, a ref tech systems actually came out with an automated refereeing system. Okay. And this refereeing system eliminated the need for human refs. So one thing that we were doing up until this point, and one thing that the predecessor of the DRFL, the NFL was doing was they were utilizing human refs and what these, from a penalty standpoint, they were much more lenient. So they may let a holding call go, or maybe they would miss a holding call or whatever it might be. You know, you run into human error, you run into judgment calls. Was that actually a holding? Was it not? So on and so forth. Penalties were being missed. Well, uh, when, when RefTech came out with their automated refereeing system, it significantly increased the amount of penalties being called, which we've seen start to slowly be implemented into the way the offensive linemen are taught to block. You have to be very rigid. Okay, it's a, it's, it's a much more difficult process to actually successfully run block. And what that's, and plus, I mean, you have guys on the other side who are just better athletes. I mean, as time has increased, guys are becoming better athletes. So you have linebackers that can run like safeties, and you have these freakishly athletic defensive tackles, defensive ends. It's just, it's part of it. But it's really negated the value of a strong running game. And so if you're going to be selecting a running back, he needs to have an ability to contribute in the passing game because the value of a pure runner, it, it's, it's not there anymore. And, and that's what these guys bring. Anthony Rainey and Donald Levesque, Anthony Rainey especially. I mean, Louisville wasn't very good of a team. Um, their quarterback play was abysmal last year, and he was really the focal point. And it, the success that they had on offense was because of him. So I'm not trying to say he's a bad player. He's a very good running back. But the the rules between um, the rule differences between the NCAA and the DRFL, especially when it comes to running, are significant. And he's not going to be able to see that same kind of success here. He's just not. He was a phenomenal player last year at Louisville. But you have to look at the value he's going to be able to bring to your team here in this league now. It's just not there. He has no pass-catching ability, and, uh, I mean, Blue Ridge doesn't even have a great offensive line anyways. They have their own offensive line struggles. We're just not a good selection. Uh, it's really unfortunate that that uh, that Blue Ridge stuck with him and, and went with him because they, I mean, they're very much the, the GM is active there. Uh, hey, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to act like I am the, the guy to um, – the guy that knows everything, right? Maybe he'll have success, but I certainly don't see it. I don't see it. I think it's a bad pick. Same with Donald Levesque, which that one gets a little bit of an asterisk next to it, next to it because the um, ownership, GM, all the scouting staff, they, they were out. So the league, the league has a predetermined board to where if these situations happen, they kick them out and, or they, they make the pick for them. Donald Levesque was the guy there. They obviously had a running back peg fairly high. I, I don't know why, but unfortunate, unfortunate picks. Looking at defensive tackle. Now, we had spoken about the um, the prolific run and the top five on offensive linemen, and that would lead you to believe that there was a ton of talented offensive linemen, and there was. There was. 
But this defensive line class was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Mark Evans, Bill Cosgrove. Uh, I wasn't as big of a fan as Brian uh, Pitaniello. Didn't really, I wasn't super high on him. Uh, coming from a small college, he has his own athletic struggles, but he was selected number 11 overall. Then you have Kenneth Matza and then Lynn Kirk. My favorite pick coming to us, Charlie Dykes, defensive end out of LSU, uh, Orville Steers, Anton Chimiano. I mean, yeah, Patrick Beck. There were some really, really nice defensive linemen, even into the second and third round. We'll touch on a couple of those guys here in a bit. But there were some really good value picks coming coming later on in the draft. Um, I actually so I had Mark Evans as my number one overall prospect. And, you know, I think mentioned, earlier I'd mentioned I had Workman as my number two prospect. I didn't. No, I had him number three. I had Charlie Dykes as number two. So it was Mark Evans, Charlie Dykes, and Daniel Workman. I got Dykes at, uh, at 18. But... Mark Evans went a little higher. Mark Evans went to the Armadillos at number nine, coming out of Boston College. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy just is phenomenal. Quick first step. Elite hand fighting. He's got an arsenal of moves. He can beat you with a bull rush. He can beat you with a speed rush. He can beat you with you know, a quick swim move, spin move. He's got it all. Um Average athlete, he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you athletically, but um, his pass rushing arsenal is there, and uh, he's somebody I want to have to contend with. Yeah, he's gonna have, he's somebody that I'm gonna be have to uh, be able to to contend with within the division. Same with Coach Will, Coach PSU, whoever takes over the Snackers, we have a we have a candidate for that. We're vetting him, vetting him. He's coming from one of the feeder leagues up to the the professional league here, so. Um, really good pass rusher. I loved Mark Evans. Had him number one, number one overall prospect. Bill Cosgrove was up there as well. Uh, Bill Cosgrove went down to mid the mid Midwest Minions. Excuse me, goodness, goodness. He was a little bit more athletically developed than than Evans. Um, quicker off the line. Now his pass rushing arsenal, his ability to shed blockers, it wasn't quite as developed as Evans. Uh, but the speed, the footwork, the motor, it's all there. Cosgrove was a really strong selection, um, both weighing at 309 pounds. That's fine. I do like my defensive tackles a little bit bigger. But, listen, I'm not going to be that picky, guys. It's great selection by Midwest. Um, I like Matza, too. Did Matza go next? When did Matza go? Yeah, well, Matzo went after the running backs. I'll, I'll touch on him. We'll look at a couple of the defensive ends. Yeah, Matzo was three, three, 317 pounds, bigger guy. Now, very limited athletically. So he's not a guy that's going to be able to go out there and just dominate on a purely athletic basis. Um, incredibly strong, incredibly fast off the line. He has some footwork issues. And I was thinking that maybe his footwork issues would, would push him out of the first round. So it's good to see the it's it's good to see him um, stay in the first round. He needs some development. He may not play that much his rookie year. Get him with a good defensive line coach. Get him coached up. Fix his footwork issues. Everything else is there. Uh, very strong arsenal of pass rushing moves. He's very fast, which is uh, you know it, it's to me it's a little counterintuitive. He's not a great athlete, so he's not super fluid. He's not super dynamic. But in a straight line, he's very fast. So he has a speed rush. He does have a speed rush to him. 
I think whenever you get his footwork issues uh, figured out, he's going to be able to find a lot of success in the league. I like Matza. I don't know if I like him at 15. Um, I was thinking he would go towards the back end of the first round, maybe early second round. But, hey, if, if you need a pass rusher, I, I believe that if you get him with the right coaching staff, he's going to be successful. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll talk about a couple of these defensive ends, and then we'll move over to some of the, the later picks. But <sighs> Brian Pitaniello, small school guy, coming out of San Diego State, went to the Praetorians. Limited athlete. He's a little slow off the line. Uh, I don't like his strength either, which that strength's going to develop. You know, the the uh, strength and conditioning programs that we have here in the DFL are, are top notch. So I'm not worried about the strength. It, it, it'll come. But as far as him being an immediate impact, especially as an edge player, you usually want somebody who's a little bit more fluid and who can come off the line quicker. I don't see it. I don't see it with Brian. Um, that all could develop. Again, the strength and conditioning programs here in the DRFL are, are top-notch. So it's not saying that his explosiveness and his athleticism couldn't improve, but I don't see him as an overly athletic prospect, and uh, he, he's really going to need some development in his, in his first step in order to find success. So... I hope it works out, though. I mean, Coach Gregory, he's a guy that is is new to the league. And I he had a, he actually had a good season last season. I mean, I think he was 7-9. and nine. I don't know if – did he sneak into the playoffs at 7-9? and nine? No. No, he didn't. Okay, yeah, the wild cards were – yeah, wild cards were 11-5 and 12-4. and four. So, he didn't sneak in. I thought he might have. He did have some defensive issues. 415 points allowed last season. So – I can understand the logic, but not a huge fan of the pick. We'll see, though. I mean, it's we'll see. Um, Charlie Dykes is, is one of the last guys in the first round I really want to touch on, mainly because I'm just trying to keep this. Uh, I want to keep this first episode a little light. Don't know if this is going to be something enjoyed by people. Don't know if it's something I'm going to be able to keep up. So just giving out a template. But Charlie Dykes, defensive end that I selected, I I loved him. Elite athlete. Um, great short area quickness. Strong. Good size, 298 pounds. Has a, has a bit of a speed rush. But he has some he, he has a little bit of uh he needs to develop on a de- develop his footwork and he really needs to work on his pass rushing arsenal. So Pass rushing arsenal, his ability to get off a blocker, isn't where we want it at the moment. So, going to be doing some work with him. Uh, he had a bit of a limited preseason. We're going to get him. We're going to have him in as a rotational player this season. But I like him. I had him as a superstar. Um, really excited to see how he develops, and and we can move on from there. All right. What do we got? There were a couple. So I, one one pick I really want to highlight as a mid-round pick. Um, Montreal selected a guy that I think it was in the third round. Was it Chamberlain? Yeah, Lawrence Chamberlain out of Lehigh. Small school player. 
I think he's got a lot of potential. I really do. He's, a, he's, a, he's an athletic player. Good size, 304 pounds. Plays defensive end. Good short area quickness. It, it, his hand fighting, his ability to get off blockers is incredible. He has a footwork deficit. So, so he really needs to be, he needs a good coaching staff, which one thing that Montreal has is a really good coaching staff. Really good coaching staff. I think he'll be able to develop. I think he'll be able to find some success in the league. I'm excited. You know, one thing that I love is whenever these small school players, they get drafted and they find success. A lot of, there's a lot of good coaching staffs from around the league. And I know Montreal, Coach QD over there, he has one of the best, he's in and out every year, one of the best teams in the AFC. I think they, I, I really like the pick they have here. Um, don't have much tape on him. I actually didn't scout him myself, but looking at his abilities and, um, and competition, the main, the main concern that I have is competition, but I'll tell you, he's going to have great competition. He's going to have a great set of players to be going against in practice with the uh, with the quality of that Montreal Megalodon's offensive line. You want to talk about an offensive line that is top-notch year in and year out. That that offensive coaching staff uh, over in, up in Montreal is the best of the best. So I firmly believe that he's going to be able to find some success. He's going to be able to get any deficits that he has currently improved. I think they found a quality player. I certainly, I cannot complain. If I would have gotten this guy in the third round, I'd be very happy. And then there was a safety. We're going to touch on one more player here. Uh, There's a safety. I want to say in the sixth round that I was a fan of. Where did he go? No, not Robert Rachels. Leslie Farrow, down to Reddick. Coach Shelton. Yeah, big guy. Coming out of Auburn. So he's, a, he's an SEC guy. He's a little low on speed, but that's not a, that's not a huge concern. Not a huge concern to me, depending on the de- defensive scheme you're in. He could play strong safety. Um strong he hits hard hits hits like a mat truck good footwork good good covers good, good coverage abilities and we're talking about a player that was selected in, in the fifth round okay so yes he does he needs to needs to work on his ability to read a quarterback size for instance um, he needs to do some sp- uh, some speed drills to get to get faster but overall I think the value that you have here I think it's good value I think Leslie Farrow is going to be uh, is going to be someone that we see develop into a, maybe a spot starter, if not great depth, but spot starter here and there within the next few seasons. Um, but quality depth, and and that's something. Quality depth is what's that's what's going to build your championship team, guys. Injuries happen throughout the season, even if injuries in our current league, just because of medical advancements, even if they are much lower than what our counterpart league. Uh, the former NFL was was seeing. Even if we're much lower, you still need quality depth because when a guy goes down, if you don't have somebody behind him that could s- confidently step in and and play well, you've got nothing. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for my uh, 
for my draft recap. Again, maybe if this takes off and, and I do it more often, I'll do longer draft recaps. I'll actually probably get material to to speak about. Uh, wanted to run through that top five. Wanted to talk about a couple of uh, my favorite players, late round, first round. Um, really, I think the, the observation that I have is, is the league really is getting stronger. The league is really adapting. We're starting to see a little bit more parity introduced to the league. Now, you, know, you wouldn't see that if you just look at the championship list. You know, in the past decade, the championships have been dominated by, by River Sticks and Dallas. So Coach PSU and Will, Coach Tran, I think those two guys have combined for every championship since 21-13, 21-14. So we're actually we're finishing the decade now, 21-20. Last year of the decade, we're going to be starting a new decade, and hopefully the uh, <laughs> hopefully the results go a little bit better. But one thing that I like is 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 the toughness of the division that I'm in. Um, Dallas has been to four Super Bowls in a row. I went to two back to back, so we've really had a lock on the AFC for the past six seasons. And uh, there, there, but going back to parity, there has been parity. I mean, Play has made two Super Bowls in a row, right? So, so Play has come out of the NFC, and we've seen MMGI. He made a Super Bowl in 21-16. I made Super Bowls in 21-15, 21-14 against Tran. And then Ja West made a Super Bowl in 21-13. QD, Coach QD, the Montreal Megalodons, he won a Super Bowl in 21-12. Shelton won a Super Bowl in, in, in 21-11. Zeebs made the Super Bowl in 21-11. So... There has been some parity, and while that's been a little lacking as far as who's actually been winning, the, the league is catching up. We have a lot of good young talent. I mentioned Coach Gregory. Uh, mentioned Coach Gregory as a guy that's uh, coaching the Praetorians. Had a lot of success coming up through the feeder leagues. I like the direction he's taken his team. But one person I haven't mentioned is Coach Matt. Coach Matt has built the freight train into a literal freight train that team is becoming a powerhouse over in the nfc and i'm glad i don't have to play him this season i mean daniel payette is is a phenomenal quarterback the offensive scheme that they're running over there is is highly highly efficient defense is is stiff enough to where it'll give you problems They're, they're a very strong team and i think that we're going to be seeing them um, I think that, well, I think they've made the conference championship two years in a row. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah. So there's the freight train. They played Richmond 21, 19. Did they make it in 21, 18 as well? Let's see. No, that was Verdun. So freight train made the conference championship last year. Just really strong. I would expect them to be in contention for it this year. I would, I, Personally, I, th- I think that they are um, – my top two teams coming out of the NFC are, are, are Richmond and Freight Train. Tran is always in that conversation. You can never take them out. Uh, MMGI is also another guy that, that is, is in contention there. But if I'm putting money on it, I'm, I'm saying it's going to be Richmond versus Freight Train and uh, really got to respect the kind of team that, that Matt's building over there. Just a really, really good team. Okay. 
Week one matchups. What have we got? Not a lot, really. So there's a couple of high uh, high profile NFC matchups. You have the River Sticks Reapers and the Verden Vultures going at each other. Verden's actually going to River Sticks. That is a tough game, folks. Whenever you have to travel to a different dimension in order to play a team, you want to talk about jet lag or do you want to talk about road fatigue? It doesn't get any worse than leaving the material realm of Earth and having to go to, I mean, the, the literal entrance to fucking hell in order to talk about uh, a home field advantage. The, the Yeah, River Sticks, huge home field advantage there. Playing them at home is so tough. I, I would have to go with River Sticks there. And one thing that, one thing that Tran has always done, his team is so highly efficient and his ability to micromanage the game and call the correct make the correct decision in every situation is just impeccable you know i've mentioned multiple times about the the first super bowl that we played in and the legendary comeback that i wish never happened um but it's all because that team has been drilled in that situation they know what they're doing and they can execute that game plan with incredible efficiency, with no errors. They are still, Coach Tran, in my opinion, is is probably the best coach of all time. And be, going and traveling to the home field, to the River Sticks, in a different dimension, is a near impossible game. Um, not to say Verdin doesn't have a chance to win. I wouldn't bet on it. Give me River Sticks and uh, take it home. River Sticks. I'm, I'm going to say River Sticks wins by six. River Sticks by six. There you go. Another one. I mean, Jesus Christ. Washington Q's at Prospero Red Death. It's another damn team in a, multi, in, a, in a different dimension. Guys, why don't we talk to the commissioner about this? It's, it's not fair that we have to go into an interdimensional portal to play these teams. The effects that that has on the human body, not even, I mean, yes, they're, okay, fine. They're drafting human players, okay? But those guys live in Prospero. They're used to it. We have to travel there, and the, just the change and gravity. Now, granted that now, so one thing that their their stadiums do have, River Sticks and Prospero, is they're in a bubble that give that give them Earth gravity. Okay, so these guys aren't affected in the game by any gravity differences or any heat differences. But just still having to travel to a different dimension and play these guys. Now, the ultimate road game, Washington Q's is about the only team that I think could, uh, could can make that can make that trip and, and really not be affected by it. Coach Foster has a, an immensely physical team traveling to Prospero and getting ready to whoop some ass. You know, I, I would probably bet on the Qs. Bet on the Qs. Such a strong defensive team that I don't think the road trip and they're such a strong-minded team. I mean, the Coach Foster is even-keeled. 
team shows it. They don't ever get fired. They don't ever make mistakes is what I'm trying to say when it comes to emotional mistakes. Um, I think they're going to be able to stay focused on the moment, get a win, opening week. Give me the cues. I'll take the cues by five. Um, we have a couple of small, lower-profile games. The Megalodons at the family. That could be a good one. Going to Fort Wayne, Indiana. little trip south for, for the Megalodons and Coach QD. I would have to I would have to put money on on the megalodons. Um, they're right now they're, they're my favorite to be into the conference championship game. I think we're going to be seeing another Montreal and Dallas conference championship game. Um, but the family are good. The family have always had some unique offensive capabilities. I think they'll be able to give Montreal a run for their money, um, but ultimately fall short. So give, give, give me Coach Cutie on this one. Montreal. I'm going to say Montreal by 10. And then uh, Chicxulub versus Dallas. Chicxulub had a, had a uniform rebranding this year. Yeah. So now the Rainbow Raptors. Chicxulub Rainbow Raptors. Give me Dallas. Chicxulub is really trying to lean on the uh, – um, effectiveness of the running game. I already mentioned earlier due to the ref tech systems, the automated refereeing system that we currently have in place within the DRFL. <sighs> running game just isn't going to be effective, especially against a team that has such a high-flying offense. Dallas has the most prolific offense in the league, I think, over the last four years. Yeah, no, it's, it's not going to happen. Give me Dallas. I don't think it'll be particularly close. I think Dallas will win by 17 or more, so three scores or more. Um Like I said, Dallas and Montreal, I think they're going to punch their ticket to the conference championship game. It's going to have it looking like uh, Dallas and Montreal versus uh, the winner of Freight Train and Richmond. Those are my predictions. So, speaking of Richmond, we got a little storyline coming out of Richmond. Um, Conway. Conway. There's a lot of speculation that this might be his last season in Richmond, um, which is which is crazy. So we're talking about a, a quarterback that has really since the since the height change. So in this in this era, holds a lot of major passing records. Uh, I think he holds the yardage record. Does he hold the yardage record? I know Michael Watts threw for 5,900 last season. What did the did did Conway? Did he throw for over 6,000? Let's take a look. Nobody's crossed 50 touchdowns. Yeah, so 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 Conway threw for 6,200 yards. So he holds the yardage record. I think he holds the touchdown record, 49 touchdowns. That's been the most that anybody's thrown since the height change went into effect. Um, and this might be his last season in Richmond. Coach Playa has talked about opening that uh, that salary cap up or opening that, that, that salary up that Conway's currently taking and, and using it to improve the team elsewhere. I can't fault him for it. I think that that's a good move. I think that, that is a, that's a strong team, a strong team down in Richmond. And uh, if you just open up a little bit more money and use it to improve the team elsewhere, 
they can only get that much better. But part of the reason they're so strong is because of Conway, which that's going to lead me into a, a little discussion about contracts. You have somebody like Conway. It is a phenomenal quarterback. He's a, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's won multiple MVPs. He's been to two Super Bowls, holds several major passing records. And as soon as he is let go from Richmond, his, his, his career is likely over. You know, these guys grew up with, they grew up in an era where they were watching the NFL and even the deep route football league where, where top tier players, top tier quarterbacks, were they were getting their 16 million. They were getting their 17 million. Not anymore. The position is not valued like that anymore. Like we mentioned earlier when we were talking about the draft, the value is at is at the offensive line level. You go look at a lot of the successful teams. Take take Dallas, for instance. Dallas and, and River Sticks. We're going to use an example from each conference. Dallas is paying Barlow less than $4 million. I don't know what River Sticks is paying uh, Campos. Less than $4 million, I'm assuming. And they've had, they've had plenty of the success because they take these quarterbacks, they figure out what works for them, and then they put the players around them. They put high-quality players around their quarterbacks to elevate their play. And I see what play is doing. Conway is a Hall of Fame-level quarterback with Hall of Fame-level talent around him. He's done such a good job managing his team from a free agent perspective and a trade perspective, not even having to worry about drafts. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the last draft pick that, that, that play it made. I, I really don't. I don't know when it came. I don't know how long ago it was. But he's done such a good job of trading for pieces and putting the puzzle together that he just he's kept elite talent around Conway quite some time and it's worked out 6,200 yards 67 completion percentage 67 percent over 100 rating just phenomenal numbers and tons of success to go with it yeah listen he hasn't come away with the championship yet but he's made it twice he's dominated the NFC it's a phenomenal team down there. I, I'm really curious what the plan is afterwards. He's mentioned some successors to Conway. Um, and I truly wonder if we're going to be able to see the same level of play from Richmond, the same level of play that we've, we've grown to expect. I would assume so. I trust the coaching staff over in Richmond. Um, but it, it's it's going to be interesting when, when Conway walks away. And it could be as early as this coming offseason, which makes me wonder where Conway's head's at. Listen, he's. I know he's hanging out in Cabo. I know he's banging IG models. I know he's just drinking tequila and partying with the folks down in Chick-fil-A. I, I get it. Okay? I get it. But it still doesn't mean the man's not a competitor. It still doesn't mean that he doesn't want to play. I wonder, if he'll, I, I wonder if he'll take a discount. He knows how good he is. I wonder if he'll take a discount to try to play somewhere else. I think that discount would have to be less than... 10 million for anybody to even consider him. Maybe not. Maybe he'll be, maybe he has a good agent. Maybe his agent will, will talk a team into, into paying the full 16. I don't know. I highly doubt that, but there's some teams around the league that, that could possibly pull the trigger on that. But I do think this is Conway's last season in Richmond. I'm interested to see how that goes and see what Richmond looks like post Conway. All right, guys. We have come to the end 
of our first installment of the DRFL. Let me know what you guys think. If this is something that you enjoy, if this is something you want more of. I kind of jumped around a little bit. It's the first episode. I just did it on a whim. I mean, I'm working right now. So I'm on my lunch, decided, to, hey, you know what? I'm just going to jump on here and just talk. So if you guys like this, let me know. I can start trying to put together actual material so we have a little bit more refined talking points. And uh, we can create uh, just an interesting little uh, chat session about our favorite football simulation. All right, everybody. Have fun. Good luck in week one. And we'll talk soon.